and welcome to West New York Brews. My name is Scott. I'm a home brewer just outside of Buffalo, New York. And on this episode, I'm talking to Patricia and Joe Marshall from Lily Bell Meads. You can find them at 11 West Main Street, Lancaster, New York, in a really nice tasting room. Um, I'm on their website right now, lilybellmeads.com. That's L-I-L-L-Y-B-E-L-L-E-M-E-A-D-S.com. They're... Uh, Hours are Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, and they have events, and I think they have live music on Fridays. For more info, find them on Facebook, on Twitter, on their website, or feel free to send them an email at info at lilybellmeads.com. So going into this episode, going into Lily Bell Meads, I had made one mead prior, and I've spent a lot of time working on beer. And as a home brewer, I'd say I'm about as knowledgeable about beer as the average home brewer. Certainly not as knowledgeable as many of my friends, uh, but probably more knowledgeable than your standard beer drinker. So I figured that I knew a little bit about meads, but then just going there and sitting down with Joe and Trisha and, and trying some meads and talking about them, you realize just how little about meads I actually knew. Um, so it was really nice to talk to them and try some of the the meads that they have over there. And if you're thinking of mead as kind of a one-trick pony or or maybe you're thinking, hey, I don't really like the taste of honey, then do yourself a favor and please head on out to Lancaster to Lily Bell because I think you might have a misconception of what you're going to be getting in a mead. So before we get into it, I also want to let you know that I put out a video about, a, uh, about the RoboBrew. And I did a quick Robo Brew review and comparison video, I guess, with the Grainfather. I say quick. It came out to about 20 minutes and took an awful long time to make. And, and you would watch it and you wouldn't think it took an awful long time to make, but it did. Uh, so that's on youtube.com forward slash WNY Brews. And then next week, I'm going to be putting out a video about the Scylla, the Jaded Scylla, which is the immersion chiller specifically made for the Robo Brew and the Grainfather. And I want to read you one of the podcast reviews. So uh, this one says, learn something in every episode uh, in Apple Podcasts by Rick on May 27, 2016. I went way back on this one. It says, this local homebrewing podcast is one of my favorites. Uh, lots of interesting guests and topics. I can't wait for the new episodes to come out to pick up new info or learn about an upco- upcoming brew event. Um that was a five-star review, and it looks like, for the most part, most of these reviews are five-star reviews, which means they're probably coming from people listening and taking my, um, not advice, but my my um, request that if you like the podcast, please go and review it on iTunes or on Stitcher. You can find out how to do that at wnybrews.com forward slash rate or uh, any other way that you you want to support the podcast, just you can go to wnybrews.com forward slash support and see a lot of ways to do that. Most of them uh, taking very little time or money, uh, mostly 100% free, such as using uh, the affiliate code to go shop on Amazon. So when you do your normal shopping, nothing changes for you. But if you use the code there or just use the link and you click through there, uh, anything that you buy, I will receive a small uh, commission on for telling you, hey, go shop at Amazon, which I just did. Uh, so let's get right into the interview, and I will talk to you after, and we can uh, we can discuss. So this is Trisha and Joe from Lily Bell Meads. 
I'm in Lancaster, and you can totally hear the Great Lakes accent when you talk about Lancaster, but we're in Lancaster at Lily Bell Meads. And uh, I'm with Joe and Trisha, owners. Owners, mead makers, bartenders. Beekeepers. Beekeepers. Beekeepers, which I want to talk about too. How long have you been here? So we've been here um, just over a year now. Okay. Uh, we sold our first bottle technically about two years ago. Uh, but we opened up this tasting room end of September of uh, 2017. End of September. Awesome. Did you have a, a anniversary party? No. What? <laughs> we did okay. not. It was right during Buffalo Beer Week, and we decided, and during uh, Borderland Music Festival, so we decided we would uh, we would just glide into our first year, you know, nice. gracefully. We celebrated Me Day very well, very well. Yes, that's true. So, so Me Day, National Me Day, was in August. Okay. So we had a, re- a really great celebration for that. So um, we didn't really feel like we needed to have another big celebration just a month later. So National Mead Day in August, just like all the other ones, I had no idea there was a National Mead Day. Yeah, it's the uh, first Saturday in August generally, and like uh, National Homebrew Day is usually the first Saturday in May. Okay, so pencil that down for next year. Yes, absolutely. National Mead Day. So how'd you get into mead? That's all Trish. Um, So Joe and I started homebrewing in like 2004. He started with a beer kit, I started with a wine kit. And then eventually I had problems with stability of my wines. Um, I was really trying to make a fruit wine, a nice blueberry wine, and oftentimes my bottles would pop. <laughs> so I had problems with stabilities. Um, someone had suggested adding, instead of white sugar, adding honey. And I'm like, what kind of nonsense is this? <laughs> um, but in further looking into it, it really was uh, a very old way of, of making wines. Apparently or honey wines, yeah. Apparently it's a thing, right? Um, so I started doing that, then started entering, liking my finished product much more, um, started entering some homebrew competitions, got some recognition for that, and then started um, bringing Joe on with his knowledge of the yeasts and beer flavors and adjuncts. Um, and we just started evolving together into mead makers. So the mead came before the bees? Usually it's beekeepers turned mead makers. We are mead makers turned beekeepers. Okay. Usually beekeepers end up with way more honey than they know what to do with. <laughs> so what do you do? You says make some meat and like most people are like, what the hell is that? And then right? you know, they figure it out. But yeah, we were we were the opposite. And I'm sorry, how long ago was that? Ooh, two thousand five maybe? Two thousand five, wow, that's yeah. a long time. Yeah. yeah Somewhere in there. That's when we started we started homebrewing right around the same time. I think Trish got me a beer making kit around two thousand four mm-hmm. and then decided she should probably have a wine making kit too. So Yeah. Just kind of went from there. So the first meads that you made, uh, how would you describe those ones back in 2005? High octane. Yeah. (laughs) Astringent. (laughs) Right. Yeah, like most. I mean, just like I know you brew beer. I mean, if you're like me, and it was the the first few batches of beer, maybe the first one was okay. The next few were awful. Yeah. No, that describes it perfectly. Mead wasn't uh, any any different really. It was although she was making some. Yeah, like you know thimbleberry meads they tasted like candy and they were 17 percent wow okay we kind of found that you know we knew they were 17 percent but found out the hard way what that would do to you the next day so what was the market like back then like trying to get ingredients and and yeast and uh i mean yeah a lot different than it is now i guess i mean for yeast especially i mean you could get you know liquid yeast or why yeast was around in white labs but it was yeah, very different. I don't think there was as much... Uh, we were still very focused on the wine yeast. Yeah. The commercially available, everything like that. But mm-hmm. um, it was more recently that we started playing with the beer yeast and flavors. 
this one that I'm drinking here, this is that's our honey and hops. The honey and hops. Okay. That was, we call that our we would say our flagship. It's pretty much the first one we came together with. Where you know me being a beer maker, beer brewer was like, well, no, we have to have something lighter with hops in it. And Trish like, I don't know. And then like, you know, I don't. She doesn't really care for IPAs much. And then you know that was what we we came up with. That we both were like, yeah, I could drink that. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. I like this a lot. What what hop is in it? That's uh, Cascade, Centennial, and Chinook. Okay. All New York State. Excellent. What's nice about um, honey and hops all is the smell of it. It mm-hmm. really smells like the inside of a beehive. Okay. I wouldn't know that. Interesting <laughs> fact. All right. Yeah, it's kind of um, like a mead in general. Most people don't really know what it is. Yeah. And most people do assume it's going to be like drinking honey. Right. It's going to be very sweet, which it certainly can be. Um, yeah, especially with this one, what we really try to do is emulate the flavor of honey without all the sweetness, because it really is there. I mean, honey has flavor beyond that sugar part of it. You know, right. There's floral notes or you know fruit notes or whatever the bees are foraging on, and that's definitely present. You know, especially in this one. So we often try to describe um, honeys using the word word terroir, like the French use for mm-hmm. describing the effects of the environment on the flavors of the grapes. It's very much that same idea that the effects of the environment or what's in the environment affects the flavors that you get from the honey. Right. So it's that same, the environment impacts the tastes. Oh, you mean the environment, like the things that the bees are getting to? Yes. Yep. All right. Yes. Yeah. Or even like drought. Drought can affect the way the bees um, harvest the honey, what they're collecting. They may go to an alternate source. Mm-hmm. So is all the, are you using your own honey for these? No, unfortunately, we are still very small in our honey production. Okay. Um, so we outsource to other local beekeepers to um, obtain our, our honey sources. We recently did um, a semi-sweet traditional mead that was all single sourced from a beekeeper in Elma, New York. Okay. So that was really kind of cool to really kind of feature that as a, a, a different play on, on meads that we knew the source, we knew the beekeeper. Um, and really kind of highlight the flavors that were present. Now, can you ask for anything when you do that? Like, hey, can you kind of steer the bees towards <laughs> Good luck. those? Yeah, <laughs> stand there and there's weave your arms. There's much like there's, you know, how many different stuff, <laughs> varieties of grain. There yeah. are numerous varieties of honey, too. There are, you can talk to some apiaries, you know, larger beekeepers and honey producers that do, you know, pollinate blueberry fields. But mm-hmm. Because bees fly, you know, three miles in a radius from their hive. If they can say that, yeah, you know, they were in a huge field that was only with these flowers from this plant, then you can actually say, you can say, oh yeah, that's, you know, blueberry honey or, oh, that's, um, you know, Tupelo honey or, or. No, when they say it's, it's clover honey or, or then are they only letting them out into a different area? No, it just means that the area is predominantly, um, what's in bloom is clover. Okay. Uh, But wildflower is a term that's often used to kind of, um, it's like a generic term. Right. It's just like a multi-floral source. They don't really know what's prominent in there. You can get your honey tested to really kind of pull out what's um, flavorful in it or what's bringing out a lot of the flavors in it. Um, we have known one beekeeper to do that at this point in time. Mm, that's cool. But, See, uh, honey to me, mead, is like this whole different track that I've not been avoiding on purpose, but... You know, as soon as I made one and then I start researching on it, like, uh, there's a whole different area here. It's not, it's similar. It's a parallel track to beer, but it's totally different. It's a totally different track. 
Absolutely. To come up with something that's very similar, though. You know, we, we really do want to appeal to craft beer drinkers more. Because yeah. me can definitely go more in the wine direction or it can go more in the, the lighter, you know, uh, more beer-like or beer-ish, for lack of better terms, direction. We definitely want to appeal more to the beer drinkers. They're more just... Um, Fun. Well, yeah, that's the best way to say it. <laughs> They're more willing to try something different. I mean, I've sat in wine stores doing tastings, and yeah. you know, I can't even get people to look at me. They are coming in for their Man. Cabernet or whatever, you know. And, um, yeah, so there's definitely – you can go either direction, but um, we don't we don't want to just make something like, oh, there's people go, oh, that's honey beer. Like, well, not really. Right. You know, does it taste like beer? No. Well, how do you know? Well, I drink a lot of beer <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of mead, so I, I know. But, yeah. yeah. So we want to make something similar, but not, you know, just, you know, we're not – we've never made like a New England style Or New and England I, and mead. I, and I don't think yeah. we ever will. But. Nice. Others have. Others have. I'm sure it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now the honey, the smell is coming out of this, the honey smell mm-hmm. is really present, maybe especially as it's warming up. Yes. But the... Uh, the flavor is not, as you were saying, it's not sweet. I wouldn't call it dry either. You could tell a little bit of bitterness on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, uh, that's the other thing is we don't, you know, we don't mash, we don't boil, we don't have to do any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, we already have a fermentable sugar. Um, we really don't awesome. like this to ever get more than 100 degrees. Like mm-hmm. water, you know, water maybe 110, 120 degrees, meeting honey at 60, you know, 8 or 70 degrees. This never gets that warm, so you shouldn't get isomerization. You shouldn't get, you know, but you, but you do. You almost get like a bitterness, or even like you said, like it's not dry. It's a little on the tongue. Yeah, it's not dry at all. This, this finishes it out at, at 0.998. You know, I mean, it's wow. very dry. But then we still get people that go, oh, that's too sweet for me. Yeah. And so there's that perceived sweetness. I wouldn't say it's sweet either, though. No, I, I wouldn't. I like it. I'm more than halfway through this glass. Yeah. <laughs> it gets better the more you drink it. Yeah. <laughs> right? So this one here is a uh, soda? Yes. It's so we started expanding our product line to include craft sodas that are honey-based. Really kind of pushing that mm. idea that honey is a great natural sugar, um, and it has a lot of flavor, and it parts a lot of flavor into what you put it into. And then this, this is non-alcoholic. Yep. Correct. That's cool. Yeah, that's a honey, lemon, rosemary. So even the kids can drink mead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then we do, we, we'll take those and make, you know, mix them like shandies you know on draft like half and half and then it yeah. takes you know honey and hops is 9.8 percent it takes that alcohol down a little bit for people so there's no fermentation going on in here then mm-hmm. okay so no yeast no no i mean there, i'm sure there's wild yeast in there but we, right. we brew it and we keep it cold if we if you leave it out at room temperature too long it interesting to mead. yeah do you have any wild fermented meads just hey leave that one out let's see We've done our fair share of yeah, ones, but we get a little bit of like when we make the the melomels, which are more the uh, the fruit uh, variety of meats, like the little stronger. You could say a little more wine like. We often, I mean, there's tons of wild yeast on blueberries and and strawberries, and we we will as we we don't ferment with them in primary. We just juice them really first. We use mm-hmm. all real fruit, so because we're doing that on the skins, we will start to see like a little bit of fermentation starting yeah cool and, uh, but then we hit it you know immediately with with commercial strains and it kind of takes over okay well yeah but it does impart a certain flavor to it you know like right. that i don't think you would get if you just hit it with you know like some some of the wine yeast that we use are are, are bullies you know like they're just going to take over all that flavor so are you using primarily wine yeast or just a mixture 
No, in the Melomels, the fruity ones, we generally use wine yeast. Uh. Um, in um, the honey and hops, we do use wine yeast, but predominantly everything else, we use the beer yeast. Yeah. Yeah, we use a lot. I mean, we use US 05, 04, yeah. White Labs Belgian, Belgian Wit, Saison, um, that we, we really experiment a lot with. Nice. It's just, we found like that honey and, and beer yeast is, you yeah. know, I mean, you know, more beer yeast is. I mean, with flavor, yeah, honey and, and beer yeast just. Oh my god! Just so many cool yeah. flavors, and it does just a very different. You get a very different uh, outcome from it than you do with beer, uh, and you're probably not getting down as far then. Uh, terminal gravity, right or no? Nine nine eight. Still yeah. okay. Yep. Just because it's yeah. so fermentable that yeah. that honey. I, I just bottled one yesterday that finished at nine nine zero. So much that I don't actually believe that. I'm going to get. I'm going to mention bring the hydrometer from home right. and check because I'm like, that's just that's, I'm not sure that's possible, but huh? Yeah. All right. So if I'm if I I've made one mead, and the way that I did it was the the sheet that you gave to Buffalo Brew Shop. Yeah. Okay. I followed that recipe. And somebody else drank and goes, wow, this is a phenomenal meat. I'm like, I didn't do anything. I just <laughs> I followed this recipe to a T. So uh, let's say I have 10, ga- 10 pounds of honey. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do to make a good mead? Sterilize. <laughs> Sterilize. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. very, you know, like anything, I, you know, it's, it's very... I mean, I think everyone, anyone who brews beer knows that or why, but like, you know, it's meat is the same way you need to be sanitary like everything needs to be very very clean um, right and then yeah, i guess it's just like that recipe we gave it was just it was a, a, a simple honey and i think it was uso5 if i remember it was yep. just a very simple i think it was like, three packets too like yes. throw in three packets of uso5 yeah that's a whole that's something we learned from um a meadery out in uh vermont called grunfell uh-huh. and the mead maker there ricky is very much about the differences between fermenting honey versus you know fermenting uh, a wort you get from a beer honey is all I mean, it's all sugar you know a beer a wort you've got so many different you know grains and starches and fermentables and enzymes all these things going on with honey it's it's sugar so right. you really need to hit it with a lot of yeast um because the yeast it's it's not it's kind of like if people ate sugar all day they're gonna feel like crap in the end yeast is gonna be the same way like so you need to like really give it a balanced diet that's why we have a you know nutrient added to it and then also just a healthy oh and the yeast nutrient that's right i had to go out and buy some yes (laughs) some yeast nutrient yeah it's very important so then temperature and time how how long are you generally fermenting at and, and what temperature so some of ours ferment from honey to bottle in three weeks okay we've done it even in two weeks Mm. um Generally, a month is about what we give them. Uh, and then some of the stronger ones, like the Mellow Mills that are a bit more closer to 12%, usually take about six weeks till we bottle, and then we rest them three months and bottle. Okay. Closer. So it does range, but we do have a quicker turnover than a lot of traditional mead makers might see in their products. All right. And temperature anywhere from usually 68 to 72. Sometimes we go okay. a little higher. Um, you know, some people say, like, like Ricky and from out will say, fermented 86 wow know, which okay. is i've never tried i know we have it's almost I mean, if it gets much above 74 or 75 i start you know sweating right. <laughs> um, but, typical basement temperatures yeah, yeah yeah exactly 68 to 72 mm-hmm. and then we've done the lager style yeah we have we have done that if we have fermented with you know a pilsner yeast and done it down at you know 50 degrees yeah it, it just took like any lager it takes forever you know um <laughs> did it make a noticeable difference in the 
Absolutely. <laughs> Please. I'm sorry. Absolutely. It was, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so much that you, we even had to do, uh, you know, a, a diacetyl rest and raise it up. Oh, yeah. Like 60 bucks. Huh. Oh, my God. It was, it was just like butterscotch. Um, and then gave it that time to, to finish. And, and then, yeah, it came out really clean and really uh, just, um, I don't know. It was just easy a very, yeah, easy to yeah. drink. Yeah, 8% easy to drink, 8%. which is always <laughs> nice. never a good thing. Yeah. I see you're, you're kegging your meads. Do you, yeah. do you bottle? Do you bottle condition? Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. I see the bottles right yeah. next to you there. <laughs> Uh, so then, do you need to uh, you need to pasteurize? You need to add uh, something to kill off the yeast. What are you doing to? Depends. So in our melomels that we generally leave dry, we don't add anything. So we don't um, chemically stabilize at that point in time, and we don't um, sterile filter. So we sometimes do get some re-fermentation, minor re-fermentation in the bottle, but that usually dissipates shortly after you uncork it. Okay. Yeah, um, like it wouldn't even be considered carbonated. It'd be yeah. like you know, pedaling. It's just very little amounts of, of bubbling going on. Okay. But then there are some bridles, um, some that we try to get more bubble into, like the beer-like styles um, that we do bottle condition. We give it two weeks before we will serve those. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, s- silly question. I'm sorry. What's a melomel? Oh, well. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> a melomel is a mead with fruit in it. Okay. And the ours are generally done in more of a heftier, more fruit forward wine like style. You definitely get the, the honey flavor notes in there. But um, the fruit's definitely more present. Okay. I mean as just like, you know, beer has stouts and, and lagers or porters or brown ales. It right. depends what you add. You know, a mead technically is honey, water and yeast. You know, anytime you add something to it then it becomes a different class it's still mead, but a different classification of it. And then the names are awful i don't know people actually ask us all the time did you come up with these i'm like good god no <laughs> melomel uh you know if you add spice to it it becomes a methaglin um, a methaglin yeah if you add okay. grapes to it it becomes a piment if you add uh apples to it it becomes a sizer. uh it's just yeah i've had sizers. yeah but yeah and i've always wondered about that name too like how does that work out like it's not like a like if you called it a meter i get it yeah, <laughs> you know, or, uh, or a seed. I don't know else. It's almost like a cider, but you had too much mead, so it comes out cider. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna try this one. What's this? That's the Bobby. The Bobby. Yes. It's dark. It is. Yes, very dark. But if you look at, it, but fairly mm-hmm. clear too at the same thing. Um, what does that smell? That one actually we heard about in a in a podcast a few years back as well a mead podcast um, uh no well it was it was, it was uh, are there any mead podcasts uh there are oh good okay oh yeah like like how can there not be there has yeah. to be there's like oh there's um am i allowed to talk about other podcasts oh yeah please <laughs> there's a basic brewing radio which, right um we, james spencer yes exactly um that's where we heard about that one he, he definitely they delve into mead on that mm. one a lot and then there is the uh, i believe it's just called the mead podcast um, <laughs> There's a mead maker. The mead maker. Got mead, right? The what? The got mead. The, yes, yes. Got mead. Got nice. mead. Yes. Um, so we heard about this style of of mead called the Boucher style, mm-hmm. where you take the honey, actually burn it. Boucher means to burn in French, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah, it does here. Right? Yeah, yeah. good enough. Yeah. Um, we're in Lancaster. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I know we're going to say, and I'm going to say it properly about Lancaster, right? <laughs> Is no, that Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what other people from down there will tell you. So we take the honey, we actually 
burn it. Okay. In a very sophisticated crock pot way. <laughs> and then we graduated um, to large <laughs> roasting pans. Okay. Yes, okay. very large roasting pans. But. Yes. Uh, but we look for a certain color change, and then then we then add it to primary, um, and then ferment it down pretty dry, and then we back sweeten it. Is this aged in anything? It's just that's just coming off of so the. That was three weeks from honey to bottle. Yeah, wow. that was brewed on August twenty third. Yeah, this tastes like it's a, like barrel age. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be. We're going to get a barrel from uh, Black Button, and we're going to put some of it in, into That's a cool. bourbon barrel. But I like this a lot. Yeah. But yeah, that one's just, it's very... Uh, this one blurs the line between... Oh, totally. Oh, totally. Between There's beer and so mead. much potential with yeah. bouchets. Yeah. I'm just very excited about it. And we've brought that to beer festivals before, and I mean, it's a little dangerous because it is 13.5%. Not that, right? you know, of course... Not that that stops anybody from, you know, it's like barley wine strength plus yep. a little bit. But uh, in the sea of hops that are brew festivals, you know, that one, people go nuts for that one. It's just very, right. uh, it's a nice contrast. Hmm. So that was one where we ended up taking, we have a whole bunch of homebrewing friends. Yeah. And that was one where we took I'm a couple sorry. of different, oh no, it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, fantastic. It's, <laughs> there are a bunch of people. They're wonderfully supportive. Larger homebrewers. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very much. It looks very style. similar to a homebrew setup yeah. back here. <laughs> Without the kettle. Yes. Which I, I bet you still have one. I just don't see it. Am I right? Oh, was that a kettle? Yeah. No? No, nothing? How do you heat your water? Uh, just hot water. Tap water. Just oh, okay. Hot, just hot, hot, we just don't water. use much of it. And then we treat the rest of it. You know, we filter the rest of it and everything. Okay. But, you know, just enough to get the honey to mix and incorporate. And then right back into, uh, you know, we cut it with cold water and get it right back down to, to pitching temperature so it's a really low entry right like it seems like something you could easily make i mean it yes. was oh, sure. it was Absolutely. fairly easy to make when i made it yeah the people say is meat easy to make i say yeah a meat is easy to make good meat is, is hard to make there you go and that's that's what we always tell people i'm sorry you i interrupted you oh so well anyway the whole point was um we did a couple of different oh. variations on boucher mm-hmm. boucher originally Took it to, I think it was a Super Bowl party. Super Bowl party, yeah. And we had everybody try it. Like, I think we had four different types. And had everybody try it, and they they were basically our focus group, and they all landed on that style, that that certain mixture. Awesome. Um, and so that's where we went with. And it's called the Bob. The Bob. Bobby. Why is it, oh, the Bobby, I'm sorry. Yeah. Why is it called the Bobby? Well, we'll see. We can see if we can riddle it out. So it's a really, just a bad joke that we thought was really funny <laughs> at like 11 o'clock one night. Okay. It's a Boucher style mead. So uh-huh. We named it. Oh, Bobby Boucher. Yes, we did. Yes, and any any uh, anything else we do with Burn nice. Honey is a member of the Boucher family. All right. Like we have a uh, one that that Trish made with um, uh, walnuts and maple syrup, and we called that one Nutty Helen. Okay. And Helen is Bobby's mother's name. Right. Mom, mama's name is Helen. So. <laughs> uh, was that alligators or ornery? Because they got so many teeth. We can't name we one Colonel Sanders, but we do have a Vicky and too. And a dog too. That, yes, we do. It's awesome. <laughs> and then uh, I'm working on a recipe for a farmer friend and a Steve. That's going to happen at some point. Too. That's so funny. You kind of see that we take a theme and we kind of roll with it, really, yes. you know, beat it to death, basically. <laughs> right? Yes. That's not a bad movie. You, you could no. have chosen worse Adam Sandler movies, yeah. too. It's funny. We actually went back and watched it just a few months ago, and we were like, you know what? This really is a pretty damn funny movie. <laughs> yep. First, we thought we were going to be even more disappointed in ourselves. Like, did we really just name one of our products after this? But no. It was good. <laughs> it was really good. So can we talk about raising bees? 
Sure. Quickly, Adam. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to take too much of your time. No, you're you're fine. Oh, we'll talk bees all day long. Yeah. Right. So, how many how many hives do you have? We currently have seven hives. Seven hives. <laughs> Which is not bad considering last year we had a flood that wiped out our nine hives. So we're slowly building back up. Um, and we, we pretty much budgeted for seven hives. Approximately how many bees per hive is that? Anywhere from thirty to fifty thousand per yeah. hive. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty big there. Oh, yeah, 30,000 to 50,000. Yes. Not 30 to 50,000. I'm like, no, that's a huge that. difference. No. You've got the, you know, the that don't really want to hear it from anybody. <laughs> There's 45 on that one, but that one has 45,000. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry, that's me being an idiot. My bad. Uh, um, so seven hives between 30 and 50,000. That's a tremendous amount of bees. Yes. Yeah. Where do you keep them? In our backyard. Yeah. Our backyard is 14 acres. Okay. Yeah. That helps. Right. Our backyard is about 14 feet. I can't convince my wife (laughs) to get hives. You can still keep them. You can still keep them. We uh, we keep telling people about. Yeah. We get. We set up at the. Big wall market every week, and I okay, get cool. people down there saying, you know, oh, I'd love to get into it, but you know, we can't. We always, do, yes, you can. Like urban beekeeping and like rooftop beekeeping. I mean, it, it's definitely mm, a thing. So people, like, if you New think York just because you, you need to have space, you you don't need to have a ton. New York City meteries have their beehives on their rooftop. That's cool. Um, and the bees will forage wherever they can. It'll be like flower boxes or trees, wherever they can, they'll go and forage from. Huh. And those indoor the ones that scare me. I would never put an indoor one. Have you seen those ones? Oh, the observation oh, we, we would actually too. love yeah. one right out here. Yeah. <laughs> so once a week, we get people too. They get you know scared to death. I mean, we just had a next door. There's a YMCA, and, and they have a, a hive in the back of the building, and it's getting in there, and they were you know all up in arms. And, <laughs> and like, it's going to be okay. They're just bees. They're not really interested in you. Right. I don't have a problem with bees. I have a problem with a lot of bees, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> That's understandable. Right? <laughs> like all of these in the house, like, no. No. One bee in the house, I'll do my best to get it out. Yeah. You get used to it. Yeah. You've been stung a couple of times, couple uh, times, I assume. Yeah, a couple of times. <laughs> Those are probably our funniest stories. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to brag because for the first, you know, four years, I had never gotten stung. And, and bees are, you know, primarily female, the worker bees. Mm-hmm. And I would just be like, they just love me. These women love me. You know? <laughs> They're soft on me. You know, she gets stung all the time. And I'd be like, see, they love me. Until we were we captured a swarm, we were putting it... For some reason, I decided we needed to do it that night where normally we would wait till the morning when we got home, it was getting dark, and um, found out the bees don't want to be disturbed at night. Okay. And at night, you cannot see holes in your screen and your beekeeping mask. Uh. So I quickly realized as we were back by the creek that there was bees inside my mask, and I got two uh. right behind, one behind each ear, and mm-hmm. uh, kind of the creek's right in our backyard, so I just ran in the creek. I didn't know what else to do. I just ran <laughs> in the creek. And then I came back, and I had had a... I had a beer on tap on my kegerator, and I poured the biggest glass I could, and I sat there just tweaking out for the moment. <laughs> so I could hear them. I could just hear those bees inside. You know. Right? They had gotten in your head. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't blame you. It's uh, A lot of bees can be not a good thing. Yeah. So seven hives. But how much honey does that produce? So we didn't yield a big um, harvest this year. We had nukes that um, there are small hives that started, and then a... Uh, and extraction so they're a little behind the, the time like they'll be at their maximum at next year okay um 
maximum production, I guess, hopefully by next year. But generally um, 50 to, yeah, generally 50 to 100, 50 100 pounds, pounds per hive. hive per year. Per hive? Mm-hmm. Per year. Wow. That's a lot of honey. Yeah. And it sounds like a lot, but you know, even just you know, you look at our you are users. We're we're about between we go between one and one and a half barrels per batch. Okay. I mean, we can go through fifty to I mean, Bobby. You know, to make fifty or to make a barrel and a half of Bobby is um, one hundred and forty pounds, hundred fifty pounds of honey. Okay. So. Are you you are using your honey here oh, yeah. for some of it? Okay. Oh, anything we get, we yeah. use here. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's not just going on every single thing at the house. No. no. Like honey in the coffee, on the pancakes. No. But like, honey you do produce, you definitely appreciate so much yes. more. Yeah. It's a lot of work. I, uh, making that honey is tough for us. You know. just, people always say, do you make the honey? We're like, well, no, actually. But, bees know. make the honey. Oh, it makes what, bees happy. Yes. they make happy honey. Right. Is it what, what animal would you compare it to? Like... You don't have to take bees for a walk for sure, but I assume you have to make sure that they're comfortable and they're cats. Cats, because they're generally on their own. But yes. every once in a while, you got to make and sure they that pretty they pretty much choose you and okay. decide they're going to stay or not. And if they're not happy with you, they will you make, know, it known. make it known. <laughs> okay, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't like cats. That's yeah, all right. Me either. It's all right. Me either. Despite these crazy beer makers that put cats on their beer. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I'm you just, know who you are. I'm, I'm just, you can hear I'm it. Just, you know I'm who you are. You guys, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like fish. I assumed it was more like fish, but I think cats might be a much better yeah. analogy. You need something with more personality. I never really thought about it, but that answer came to me pretty pretty quickly. Yep. Yeah, that, that's dead on. Right, and if you left them alone, they'd probably be fine. Yeah. And then if you died, they'd probably eat you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or not really, not really worry that you're gone because they've got your house and they're good. <laughs> you have kids? Yeah. Uh, pets? Uh, Other than the bees? One dog. Okay. Well, and a you're rabbit, right. I suppose. Yeah. Oh, nice. All right. How many kids? Two. Two girls. Or do they help at all with the with the bees? I don't know how old they are. They are one's almost eleven and the other just turned twelve. Okay. Um, there are they are namesake, our daughter Lily, and oh, I did know that. And our younger daughter's uh, middle name is Bell. Microphone. But um, no, they don't really help us much at all. <laughs> 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 they like to walk down the street and help the lady who owns a toy store. Yeah, oh, is there a toy store down here? Yeah, yeah. 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 I understand that. Toy store yeah, they, they know when she gets shipments in. You know, that's we, funny. Yeah, but they're not really too concerned about us. <laughs> like, hey, come help me with the bees. Too busy flossing. Sorry. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Are they into Fortnite? I don't know if that's a girl no, thing or if it's just a boy thing. They're not. They're no. No, I, our older daughter likes to watch Bones. Bones? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Buffalo guy on there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I forgot that. I forgot he is. All right. I've had these three. They're awesome. And thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much. This, drink, this drink is local. awesome. Right? Drink local. Drink mead. Make a mead. Make Come a out mead. and pick their brains. Yes. Absolutely. Look for us. We're, we go to, we set up at a lot of the beer festivals, you know, um, if you've never had meat or don't know what meat is or afraid to try meat, just come up and we'll, we'll get you something you like. Oh, one more thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, there's a commercial right yes. now. Yes. Or you know what I'm talking oh, about? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Right. Cause as soon as I saw it, I'm like, what? You can't have a malty mead, but then I'm like, oh, I don't know enough about meat to say that definitively. But you could, you could have a, you could have a, what's called a braggot. And okay. Right, and then bright so braggot is, you know, half uh, grain and half, half honey. So uh, and 
next year there's a mead license being passed in new york state because right now we are technically a a winery a farm winery because you interesting you make mead under a beer license or a wine license because there is no mead license um whereas uh now we will be able to do that and then we can also make brackets and then we, so we can also do more uh, collaborating with uh you can brewers. make a multi-mead we can make a multi-mead an autumnal autumnal multi-mead so we're trying to change that to lily lily yes <laughs> avoid that copyright <laughs> oh i like that so much yeah we still have to send them thank you cards too yes. we keep people always ask us do you hate that I'm like no, no. We, actually the second they start picking on something then right these people know they what it fear is. the mead that's right yeah that's right <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. So once again, thank you for listening. Don't forget next week to look for the review on YouTube of the Jaded Scylla. And then in two weeks, another episode here of West New York Brews. I will see you later. Find me on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter at WNY Brews. Once again, we go out with the Rearview Ramblers. You can't buy beer with condolences. Find them at rearviewramblers.com. I'll see you next week. Because you can.